You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Friday afternoon in downtown Starkville. We are in the Farm Bureau studios. I'm Charlie Winfield. He's Bart Gregory. This is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Getting you ready for the visit from the boys from Kalamazoo, Michigan, the Broncos of Western Michigan. Hey, by the way, so they are the Broncos. Their original nickname, Bart, was the Hilltoppers, which happens to be the nickname of Western Kentucky. And what is interesting to me about that is the fact that the former coach at Western Kentucky, a guy by the name of Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh, dad to Jim and John Harbaugh, was a longtime coach at Western Michigan, left and went to Western Kentucky. And in his final season, won a 1AA national championship. So he went from the former Hilltoppers to the current Hilltoppers. So was he a Hilltopper when he was at Western Michigan? No, he was, he was a Bronco himself. They changed it back early in the 1900s. You know, this used to be the teacher's college, the normal school is what they called them, and Western or Michigan normal school, school of normalcy, whatever it is. And then they changed it in 1957. Boy, I know some people that could use some normalcy. Oh, I do too. In 1957, and of course, it's in the western part of the state, of course, that southwestern quadrant of Michigan. And you know what that area is known for. It's it's agriculture. It's a lot of fruit trees, a lot of shrubbery, some nuts, a lot of orchards. But the agricultural area in that area of Michigan is the highest density of agriculture in the state of Michigan. You know what else Kalamazoo is known for? It is known for Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter growing up in Kalamazoo and made the journey all the way from Kalamazoo to a Hall of Famer on the first ballot, 3,465 hits later. So here's what's interesting to me, real quick, I'm sorry, is you and I diving into Western Michigan today. And we know that Western Michigan, they're the Broncos. And I know that Central Michigan is the Chippewas. And I know just about every state in Michigan and their nickname. How is it so difficult for ESPN to not get it right? Guys that do this for a living. I mean, I know who are the Chippewas. That's Central Michigan. I know who are the Broncos. That's Western Michigan. And these teams are not in the Power Five, but you know them. Well, and ESPN might just roll out for game day tomorrow to insult all those teams. Who knows? That seems to be the – New brand of things for the guys over there. So, Western Michigan coming to town, a team that is two and three, one and one in the MAC. They are 0 and three in road games this year. They have a first year head coach, Lance Taylor. And the good thing in his background, Lance Taylor, last year, the offense coordinator at Louisville, just one year there. Prior to that, spent three years as the running backs coach at the University of Notre Dame. Did a little time at Stanford, a little time at App State, was in the pros with the Panthers, the Jets. He played at Alabama. So this is a guy coming back to an area of the country he's familiar with, was a walk-on at Alabama, and ultimately earned a scholarship player, had 30-something catches as a receiver one year. 
Yeah, his dad, James, actually played at Alabama for Bear Bryant, too. And I don't know a whole lot about Lance Taylor, but here's one thing that I do know without looking it up. I guarantee you he's a slow driver. You know why I know that? Why is that? Because he's from Centronelle, Alabama. And everybody <laughs> that lives in Centronelle, Alabama, drives 20 miles an hour lower than the speed limit. That's because they know how it works in Alabama. If you have a town that you have to head through on the way to vacation, <laughs> they know <laughs> slow down. It's us fools who get the tickets through there. Hey, Western Michigan making the change. They had a six-year head coach, Tim Lester, before Taylor. And Lester got fired after a five and six, five and six year. I mean, the guy had a winning record as a coach, 37-32. Before him, P.J. Fleck. The old row your boat fame. PJ Fleck actually took this team to the Cotton Bowl. This team went to the Cotton Bowl, played Wisconsin. Now that there is the where I did a bad job like ESPN. I couldn't figure out if it was Central Michigan or Western Michigan that went to the Cotton Bowl. No, they were there. Twenty seventeen. So you were right and I was wrong. And here I am casting stones at our good friends in Bristol. Well, at least we didn't put it on on the screen. We didn't make a graphic or anything. This was just banner. This I this was this is just how the sausage is made here. Theirs was finished product. Um, so a couple of teams coming in, both in need of a win. This team that we're going to see tomorrow does some things well and some things not so well. I'd say they get to the quarterback well. Yes, you talk about feast or famine, and they are one of the top 15, 20 teams in the country as far as sacks. They do get to the quarterback and sack the quarterback. But, Charlie, that kind of leads me into my numbers because most of my numbers today – Talk about just the deficiencies, especially on the back end for Western Michigan. I mean, this is a team in 130 football teams in Division One. okay, and the FBS. They are 122 out of 130 in scoring defense. They give up right at 36 points per ball game. Now, hey, we're not a whole lot better. We're 99th at 29.8, but – this is a team that has had trouble stopping teams. You look at Syracuse, who scored 48 points on them. Iowa scored 41. Toledo scored 49. So this is a team that's just been giving up a ton of yards, and they're in the bottom third in the country in a lot of defensive categories. And so my first number today is 40, and that's the number of points. I don't think we've got to score 40 to win the game. But I want to see at least 40 points in a game because this defense has not been good all season long. All right, I'm on board there. My uh, Actually, 40 is my second number, but that's okay. They all kind of the rhyme and reason because I'm going to go high to low. I started with my middle number. I apologize. My first my, – actually, my first number that I'm – I don't think you're taking this opponent very seriously. I'm really uh, – I shouldn't be. That's the problem. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't <laughs> but have, you have to. have to, right. I shouldn't have to. That's right. 115, and that's the number of receiving yards I would love to see from Xavion Thomas in the game tomorrow. Here, here. And here is the reason why. We have targeted Xavion only 17 times all season long in five games. Nine receptions. Now, I know he was banged up early in the year, but only 115 yards receiving and no touchdowns. He is too good of a target to be getting just as few targets as he's getting. Xavion Thomas, I'm saying I'd love to see him double that number as a wide receiver tomorrow. This is a big play defense. He's a big-time player. I want to see 115 receiving from Xavion Thomas. Yeah, I think you're on to something there. If, if there was a disappointment for me, 
Well, that's silly. There are several disappointments <laughs> for me. We could make a list. Among the disappointments for me is that I don't feel like we've done a good enough job getting him involved and getting the ball in his hands. When your mantra is that you're going to get the ball in the hands of playmakers, Xavion Thomas is one of those guys. And I think I, – I hate saying these things. I hate having the mentality that we're going to come out and feed somebody in a football game because what you want to do is go through progressions, read, blah, blah, blah. But I almost feel like tomorrow is one of those guys. You see him, throw it to him. Throw him the ball. And, hey, you know, to, you know Tulu's going to get his, but I want to see Xavion get his too. And then my third number is eight, and that's the number of catches I want to see by wideouts. And that's the guys that are lined up the furthest away from the field, which is a little bit opposite of what, what I just said with Xavion, who will line, up him, line him up more in the slot. But we have really not done a good job of getting the ball to our wideouts. And you just look at number of completions versus targets. The percentages are not there very good. But here's another reason why. When you look at their secondary, their cornerback, Deshaun Bustle, Where's number zero? Over the last couple of weeks, teams have targeted him nine times. They've completed seven passes. Okay. But he has missed seven tackles in the last two weeks. I'm th- he has missed seven tackles in the last two weeks. And so not only are teams getting open, but he hasn't been able to bring them down. Now, their other cornerback, Lovely, on the other side, where's number two? He's decent. He's Okay. But the numbers on Bustle, number zero, you've got to attack this guy. And you've got to attack him as a cornerback with your wideouts. Doesn't it feel like cornerback is the weakest part of this defense? Yeah, I think so. When you look at Western Michigan defensively, they're pretty good up front. The other thing they do pretty well is they get to the quarterback like we talked about. They rack up the sacks. But they do it both with linebackers and with down defensive linemen. In fact, one of the leading guys in the sacks is the nose tackle. Hmm. Pause yeah. and think that through a minute. Yeah. Um, but so what we talk about, pressure up the middle, right? But this is a team that brings pressure from a lot of places. They seem to be pretty good. They seem to be pretty good at safety. But the corners seem to be a, a real problem for them. Yeah, and so those are my three numbers. The first one is 115, receiving yards by Xavion Thomas, 40 at least 40 points scored for us in the game tomorrow. And then number eight, and the eight is the number of catches by wideouts in the game. And those are my three numbers brought to you by Maroon and Company. Maroon and Company in the Cotton Mill Marketplace is right by campus by Chick-fil-A. So if you're coming to the game early tomorrow morning, then afterwards as well, if you get to the game, say, hey, you know what, I forgot. It's going to get a little cool in the next couple weeks. I need to get a sweater. Go back to Maroon and Company. Go to maroonandco.com. They'll ship it to you. Or their in-store purchases in both places you can use the promo code LEFTFIELD15. They've got the state script stuff, a big selection of the interlocking MSU stuff. Remember, the next time you come to campus, it will be the Kentucky game, which will be the throwbacks for that old interlocking MSU stuff. So go ahead and get your stuff this week when you come to town. And that's our good friends at Maroon & Company. Go to maroonandco.com, and they are the sponsor of our three numbers. All right, time now for my three numbers. The first number for me is 102. 102 is I work high to low, and that is the number of rushing yards that I would like to see us max out at. I would like to see it come in below 102. And you look at this team, a lot of rushing yards on the season for Western Michigan. Game one, 339, but that was against St. Francis. Last time out, had 133 against Ball State. They had 236 against Toledo, but let's focus on the two power fives. At Syracuse, 
26 carries, 97 yards. Note, there was a long carry of 75. So when you take out the 75, you got 25 more carries, 22 yards. That's a tough day. So Syracuse able to control things up front. Iowa, they ran it 36 times for 117, had a long of 29. So you see there 35 carries for roughly 88 yards. This is a team that will rack up, and they've got a good running back, Jalen Buckley. He's a redshirt freshman averaging 111 a game. But this team has struggled to run the football. We, in my opinion, have struggled to be good up front defensively. Tomorrow's the day you better do it. Yep, so we got to hold them to less than 102 rushing. So that is my first number. My second number is 17, and buckle up for this one. <laughs> you got some thought into this one, I guarantee you. 17 is the number of passes that I would like to see Mississippi State throw tomorrow with Mike Wright. 17? 17. Okay, oh, how many has he thrown this year? That number is one, Bart. And that's a touchdown. He's letter perfect. So I'm looking to increase his output by 1,700%. <laughs> Carry the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and why you say that? Here's why. Um, I think a couple of things. One, you ought to be up big. You ought to be able to get to a spot where you can go out and throw the ball a lot. And you ought to be able to play Mike Wright a lot. And like I said earlier this week, I would think this is a game where you kind of bounce guys back and forth. And I think the thing for Mike Wright, if you accept my idea that he's going to get playing time tomorrow, then I think what you have to accept is – we simply cannot make our offense one-dimensional when we put him in the ballgame. We can't turn this thing into a situation where nobody respects the pass. We've already played LSU. We've already played Alabama. We've already played South Carolina. No use hiding anything anymore. We're not saving the magic play-action pass for the game against Auburn. Let's let him throw the football tomorrow, and let's let him, excuse me, make him throw it a lot. And let's find out what we have. And I think it'll be good for everybody. I think it'll be good for Mike Wright. I think it'll be good for our coaching staff. I think it'll be great for our locker room and our players. I think it'll be great for our fan base. Just and, to see. Yeah, and this harkens back to what we said on Sunday Coffee just the other day. You almost think it's a game where you just go into it knowing, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go. Remember when Spurrier used to rotate? Was it Terry Dean and that was pre Warful days, I think. He used to have a couple of quarterbacks. He'd just rotate, get mad at one, take him out, put the other guy in. That wasn't Rex Grossman time, was it? Yeah, I think Rex Grossman. Was Jesse Palmer a part of that too? Jesse Palmer, that might have been it. But in any event, my number is 102, the number is 17, and then my third number and final number is six, and that is the number of punts we need to force. Now, believe it or not, we've done that. We've exceeded that number once this year. Against Southeastern Louisiana, we've forced them to punt the ball eight times. Since then, not so much. Two for Arizona, two for LSU, four for South Carolina, three for Alabama. Six is the number. And this is a team in Western Michigan that, against quality opponents, has had to punt the football a lot. Seven against Syracuse. I mean, let's not get carried away here with quality. But seven against Syracuse, eight against Iowa. I'm not even asking to be even. (laughs) Just in the conversation. I want to see us force six punts. Didn't we force like two of Alabama's punts first two drives? All right, you but you hit on something here. All right, Bart, you just hit on something that kind of jumps out at me. We've got to get over the slow starts to start ball games, both offensively and defensively. 
we have scored this year 17 points in the first quarter. 17 in five games in first quarter points. To dive a little deeper, in our first drives on offense, in each of our first five games, here's how they've gone. Punt against Southeastern Louisiana. Fumble against Arizona. Punt against LSU. Punt at South Carolina. Punt against Alabama. We've either turned it over on downs. Excuse me. We've either punted four times and fumbled once. It's not just 17 total points. I mean, our first drives, when everybody says they're quote-unquote scripted drives, yeah, throw away that script. Whatever it is, do the complete opposite. (laughs) So that's one of the things I think we've got to see tomorrow. And to have a good start, you need your defense to set the tone early. But the offense, I'm telling you right now, if I'm coaching, I'm electing to take the ball. And I get it. You may say, hey, this offense isn't as great. Put your defense out there. Maybe get a good field position. No, 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 no. I want the ball. And the message is going to be very clear. Guys, we're going to score. I don't care if we have to go forward on fourth down. I might pull the Mike Leach fourth and four at my own 19. I don't care where we're going. <laughs> um, because I, I think we, we have to play with a bigger sense of urgency out of the gate. I agree. And But I will say this. If you're looking for a silver lining right here, all right, you start talking about second-half adjustments. We have scored th- touchdowns on three in three of the five games in our first drive of the second half. All right, so whatever we do during halftime. Let's do it pregame. Let's just do that earlier. Let's just cut out the Let's minute. give our halftime speech <laughs> in the pregame. Yeah. Um, so if, when you look at it by quarters, we are outscoring our opponents in the third. We are outscoring our opponents in the fourth and overtime. So think about this. After halftime. We are playing winning football. Before the half, we're getting outscored significantly. So what does that tell you? Is it jitters? Is it nerves? Is it not the plan you need getting going? Well, is it sometimes, too, the other team, like LSU and Alabama, is running fullback dive second half? Well, okay, now we're getting technical. It's like, <laughs> you know, the, it's like, wait, the, the good news is we held them to only 30 yards passing in the second half. The bad news is his number 73 was carrying the ball four times. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a great Barry Switzer story. Switzer used to have this deal where he called, He said you had to have a game plan for losing. Have you ever heard this one? No, I haven't. All right, so I'm listening to Barry Switzer on Dallas Radio, and Switzer says that one of the keys to coaching early in your career is you have to have a game plan for losing. And the radio guy's just losing their minds. Like, you don't have a game plan. No, he said, no, you absolutely do. You have a game plan to lose. And they said, what does that mean? It says, we were playing whoever it was. He said, we're down 21 to nothing. And I know we're, we got no chance. So I tell my quarterback, I said, we're going to hand it to the fullback. I don't care what the read is. I don't care what the option is. Hand it to the fullback. And I told my fullback, what you're going to do is you're going to run until they stop you, and then you're going to lay there. And when the officials pick you up, then you can start well, – keep in mind, they didn't automatically start the 40-second clock back then. Oh, no, is yeah. He said, and you're going to walk back to the huddle with the football, and only when they pry it out of your hands do you let go, and then we're going to do it again. And then he said, we just shorten the game. So they're playing Kansas, and the manager, the Kansas coach, sends the manager over. It's one of these, you know, 50-to-nothing ball games where Switzer always says we hung half a hundred on them. And they said – he said, coach said call them off. He said, all right, tell him to give it to the fullback. And he said, we spent the entire – the second half of the third quarter and all the fourth doing nothing but giving it to the fullback. Both teams. Both teams. 
The people in the stands are so mad. Everybody went home. So, anyway, let's hope we don't need the game plan for losing tomorrow. But my three numbers, 102, that's the rushing yard cap, 17 passes by Mike Wright. And I get it, that's ambitious. That's what's a bunch. life without a little ambition? And six, the number of punts I won't force. And uh, this is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig, of course. Tracks Plus. Go to tracksplus.com for their heavy machinery. Saney excavators and mini excavators, uh, barco equipment for the Forester. Their customer service is what they're known for. They, they've expanded the shop down at their headquarters in Hickory, their great service center. And so if you have a breakdown in the field, they'll send out a tech to help you. But Tracks Plus, it just means more. It means more at Tracks Plus, a, a company that where every sale means everything. And so our good friends at Tracks Plus, Massey Ferguson Tractors and Implements. So you can see all of that great rental equipment as well at TracksPlus.com. And we're also brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing is made right here in the state of Mississippi down in Florence. We talked the other day about the red beans and rice, put a little of that andouille in there. Charlie says the jalapeno and cheddar goes well in the gumbo, or was that red beans and rice too? Red beans and rice is where I like it. Now, the traditionalists don't like that. That's okay. We don't care about what the traditionalists say. We care about what we think is good. And everything you get at Country Pleasing is good. Go to countrypleasing.com. They'll ship it to you. But I saw a huge case of it in Kroger, at Walmart, everything local here in Starkville. The small mart out east of town, they've got a ton of Country Pleasing sausage. And so, all right, Charlie. What about your players that can smoke you? Well, I'll get it started. The first for me is the running back, number 29, Jalen Buckley. Buckley's a redshirt freshman, but he has been effective all season long. He had 194 yards first game of the season, 196 against Toledo. But even against Syracuse, the team that we talked about shutting them down, had eight carries, 87 yards. Now one of those, the 75-yarder that we talked about. But he is a good running back, and – he is a guy that could carry it as many as 30 times in a ball game. So look for Buckley to see the football, I would guess, about 20 times in the ball game tomorrow. That's my first player. My second is Mason Nelson. He'll be the nose tackle tomorrow. He's a redshirt sophomore, 6'1", 3'10", out of Howell, Michigan. He's a smart guy, academic all-conference. But here's the thing that he does, even at that nose tackle position, he can dictate the play of the game. Not a big, tall guy. It's not a guy you worry about normally, like getting his hands up. But he just plugs things up in the middle, occasionally gets the quarterback, has three sacks on the season. So Nelson, the other guy to look out for. All right, for me, my first guy is Anthony Sambucci. Anthony Sambucci, junior wide receiver from Lamont, Illinois, 6'1", 190. Okay. First year, didn't play a whole lot. That was the pandemic. That was in 2020. 2021, two years ago, played 10 games, primarily on special teams. Last year, he played in 11 games. He had 20 catches for 276 yards. That's it. But here is the thing about Sambucci. They're beginning to target him more and more each game. Seven targets two games ago, seven targets last game. And the thing about Sambucci is he does not drop it. He is a possession-type receiver. He wears number five. He has zero drops this season. He is a sure-handed guy. They'll line him up at wide receiver 77% of the time, and 23% of the time they'll line him up at slot. And so the guy to watch for when Western Michigan has the ball is number five, 
Anthony Sambucci. And on the defensive side, look for number 22, the defensive end, Tyson Lee. Tyson Ty- Lee? Tyson Lee. Not not our Tyson Lee. How tall is he? Tyson Lee. He's 6'2", 270. 6'2", 270, redshirt sophomore from South Bend, Indiana. By the way, I talked to Tyson earlier today. He said, tell you hello, Charlie. Tyson, Did you tell him he was going to be mentioned today? No, and I told him that's the reason I called is because, hey, I was looking at this team, Western Michigan, and they got a defensive lineman or a defensive end. His name is Tyson Lee, so it made me think of you. Tyson is like an elementary school principal at a private school in Richmond, Virginia. He and Krista and the four kids are up there, so it's good to see him. And so this Tyson Lee that plays for Western Michigan. You ever been to Richmond? I have been to Richmond. I've been to a game there. What saw the flying squirrels. Did you? Baseball? Yeah. Okay. All right, the thing about this Tyson Lee who plays for Western Michigan, he plays just about every play. He's been on 105 pass rush situations this year and only five hurries. He only has eight tackles this season. Here is the thing about Tyson Lee. If you see number 22 making plays out there tomorrow, he's doing something completely different than he's done all season long. And so, wait a minute. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, if 22's out there making plays, we're not blocking him the way the previous five teams have. Okay. Is that pretty mean? No, I'll I'll play along. But I also went with him just because his name is Tyson Lee. Well, that's good enough, isn't it? Yep. That's a good enough logic. Hey, one thing we used to talk about a lot, and I'm going to circle back to one of my guys. I was talking about Jalen Buckley earlier, the running back. About two-thirds of his 93 carries, 69 of them come between the guards. This is a guy, not a big guy, but this isn't going to be a tough sweep kind of offense. It's going to be a run at Adam kind of offense. Although I did see, going back watching film on these guys, they'll do some different things to you. So they'll be in a shotgun formation, get down to the goal line, get in a short yardage situation, and next thing you know, they're basically like a wing T look. And they'll put the quarterback under center, have three guys in behind him, and they'll throw some different looks at you, and they'll go quick in those situations too. All right, so it makes it big for Nathan Pickering tomorrow. Hey, and those two guys we're talking about, the two players that can smoke you, brought to you by our friends at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. It's Friday in Starville. That means my lunch was at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Right on University Drive, it'll be an 11 a.m. kick tomorrow. That means in the afternoon, that is the best place to go and watch college football tomorrow afternoon. Watch all the late games tomorrow night. And so two brothers, two brothers smoke meats, the wings. I eat the wings. That's what I ate today, Charlie. You like the burger? You like the fries, the nacho, the barbecue fries? I'm a taco guy. And the tacos as well. And so it's just great food at Two Brothers Smoke Meats in Starville. All right, Bart, we've talked a little bit about Kalamazoo. We've talked a little bit about the history of Western Michigan in the area. I mentioned, of course, Derek Jeter, who played for the most decorated team in the history of professional sports, the New York Yankees. Saw where they're keeping uh, their manager again. Oh, man. Yeah, you know what? I don't even have a problem with that because if you're not going to get rid of the general manager, what do you do? But that could be a much longer podcast. So, any final thoughts on... Brian Cashman has wrecked the Yankees. Yes. Yes. We need the boss back. <laughs> um, so, I know you've looked. Uh, who? Uh, As I was diving into Western Michigan lore, I came across a couple people, or three people, who went to Western Michigan. The first is Tim Allen. Tim the Tool Man, Home Improvement. Tim Allen. Remember Tim Allen? I do. So, um, he actually 
went to Western Michigan, got a degree in communication, used to work at the campus radio station there in Kalamazoo, and then got into communication. Of course, you know, he got into acting. He had a little bit of a uh, hiccup, as they say, before he got into his acting career because in 1978 he was uh, sentenced to two years and four months. Actually, sentenced to seven, but he served two years four months for drug trafficking when he was caught with over a pound of cocaine at the Kalamazoo Airport. Well, it's probably not the best place to... But he's owned it. I mean, he he has owned all of that, and so he is a great actor. Been Santa Claus... Was it the Dirty Claws? Santa, the Santa Claus. Claus. Which one of it was? Okay, here's another guy that uh, got his degree at Western Michigan. Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong got his start in the theatrical world in the early 1980s hit Risky Business. That was his first role. And then... The Tom Cruise movie? The Tom Cruise movie. Rebecca De Mornay. That's the one that sometimes you just have to say, well, that's family show. Move yeah. on. Okay. His second movie, he was cast as Dudley Dawson in Revenge of the Nerds. Dudley Dawson, a.k.a. Booger. Booger. He was Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. So Curtis Armstrong, a graduate of Western Michigan. (laughs) The final scene of Revenge of the Nerds, you know, when they have the talent show. Yes. In the the field day competition. Man, that that was legendary. John Vanderwall is from Western Michigan, the professional baseball player. All right, and here's my last one. Here's the last one I had. This guy spent a semester and a half at Western Michigan before dropping out to pursue a career in music. Luther Vandross. Oh, yeah. Luther Vandross. So let me ask you this. Do you think that Luther Vandross on Spotify has more downloads for here and now or never too much. I would go here and now. No, never too much has 260 million downloads. Here and now has only 33 million downloads. Somebody's getting their plays from machines here. Here and now. This was the song, man. Did you ever want to be a DJ growing up? I kind of did. Delilah. Y'all were, you and Jay were giving me a hard time the other day saying I listened to Delilah. All right, so here and now, it's time to do our picks this week. That was the wedding song back in the early 1990s right there. Here and now. Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross died a long time ago. He died in like 2005 in his early 50s. He died of natural causes? I can't remember. Wasn't he the guy that, like the British tabloids, he had like a big lawsuit because they said he he had uh, a terminal disease and he didn't? Anyway. Let's look up. Okay, here's the thing I want to ask you about real quick. Oh, he did Endless Love. with No, but that wasn't the original Endless no, Love. No, it wasn't the original he Endless did Love. too. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, we talked about Central Michigan and Western Michigan, and that, that's the rivalry, okay? That's the rivalry in the MAC between those two schools. You know, originally they had a conference of Michigan schools. Yeah. All right, so here's my thing. Western Michigan, the team we play tomorrow, is brown and gold, very similar to, say, Wyoming. Very similar to Lehigh. They're brown and gold. So there are not many schools out there that are brown and gold. Central Michigan, the Chippewas, they are maroon and gold. I wonder how many rivals. That's their rival, too. I wonder how many rivals have a primary color that's the same. 
So I guess that would be secondary color. The primary color would be brown and then maroon. But it's at least a secondary color. Both have gold as one of their primary colors. Well, that one's going to take some research. That'll take some research. What rivals have the same primary, secondary colors? Okay. All right. Real quick on our picks this week. Right now, right, last week I went 2-8 and eight in 10 picks. <laughs> How'd I do? Yeah, you went five and five. I'm back to back five hundreds then. Yeah, so I'm five and thirteen overall. You're nine and nine. And I lose and your juice, and that's it. And I won the first two games last week. I picked the A and M game and the Kentucky game. Right, you missed them, and I was like, man, I'm doing great this week. Then I missed the last eight. All right, here we go. Rapid fire. Here we go. Oklahoma playing Texas in Dallas. Texas is a five and a half point favorite. We're picking points and everything right now. Spread. Who you got? Oklahoma. Charlie has Texas. All right. LSU, five-point favorite on the oh, road. Wait, who do you have? I've got Texas. Okay. Sorry. I'm going Texas. LSU's a five-point a five favorite at Missouri. I've got Missouri. Now, even Brian Kelly will get his team ready to play this week. Give me LSU. All right. You got LSU. Alabama is a two-point favorite on the road at A&M. Oh, boy. Boy, boy, boy. I am going – with the cult. A&M? Yep. <laughs> Which cult? The sidewalk cult or the ones that, like, hug each other in the stand? The walk-on alumni. Okay, I actually have A&M as well. All right, over-under in the Bama A&M game. Over 46. Under. I'm going under as well. Vanderbilt on the road at Florida. Florida is an 18-and-a-half point favorite at home against Vanderbilt. Florida is going to win. And they are going to cover. You think they're going to cover too? Yeah, they're they're feeling some heat down there, and they're not going to let off the gas. Vandy almost covered last week against Missouri, and then Missouri scored late because I thought that was one I was going to win. I had Vandy last week, and I'm going back to the well. I'm saying Vanderbilt loses but keeps it within 18 and a half. All right, Kentucky on the road at Georgia. Georgia 14 and a half point favorite. Kentucky. Oh, I'm going Georgia. I think Georgia starts putting it together tomorrow. Kentucky. They're unbeaten, but it's over tomorrow. Arkansas on the road at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, 11.5-point favorite. H-Y-D-R. Uh, don't say that. This is a family podcast, okay? So you're going Ole Miss. I'm going to actually go on Arkansas. I think Ole Miss wins, but less than 11.5. Colorado. No, Arkansas is a mess right now, man. You got the offensive coordinator fighting with students on email. That was stupid. And Arkansas plays Ole Miss today. Then they play Alabama. Then they play us. We're catching them at a good time. They've already lost some games in a row. So, I mean, this could be an epic meltdown, even though I like Sam Pittman a lot. I think he's just a, I think he's a dude I'd like to go to lunch with. There's a lot of people I'd like to go to lunch with who aren't qualified to be head football coaches. He's the type of guy to order hamburger steak. You know right, what I'm saying? You know who, he got the Warrior he, one He's the meet with and three guy. He is the meet and three guy. Colorado and Dion's a four-point favorite at Arizona State. Colorado. I am going Colorado as well. All right, a couple over-unders. Here we go. Involving our game. Western Michigan, Mississippi State, the over-under is 56-and-a-half. Give me the over and load up on it. I'm going with over as well. And the other over is how many three-and-outs will we have in this game tomorrow? Two-and-a-half. Under. I'm going under as well. So, all right. Hey, so let me add, like a four-and-out's not a three-and-out, right? So if we go for it on – Fourth down and don't convert. That's not a three and out. Well, it's, we it, ran four plays. Yeah, but that counts. That counts. If you don't get a first down, that counts. Three and outs, 
that counts. Uh, We're not know. getting technical on this. All right, so I got room to make up. And so our differences are I have Missouri, you have LSU, I have Vandy, you have Florida, I have Georgia, you have Kentucky, I have Arkansas, you have Ole Miss, and everything else was the same. So I'm going to pick up some ground on you this week. I'm down by four through two weeks. All right. So that's our picks with friends, and we only have one friend each. All right. Well, let's look at this ball game. I think we've done about all we can do. If this one's interesting, well. Um, Sunday coffee yeah. ain't going to be fun. Needs to. This one needs to not be interesting. Uh, but – Whatever shall happen, we will be here trooping on to bring truth, justice, and the American way Sunday.